0: we are so excited for the episode today on this podcast we really try and put the focus on interviewing groundbreaking leaders and visionaries from industry-leading organizations and we have just that for you today we have the ceo of prep on our podcast today honestly out
1: of all the journeys that i've read about so far this one is mind-blowing can't
0: wait to hear his story honestly let's get into it So this is an episode that we've been incredibly excited to film today. We're joined by the CEO of Pratt, Pano Cristo.
1: Yep, you heard that right. We're going to be diving into what it really takes to lead a billion pound company that absolutely fills the streets of the UK. Pano has had, honestly, one of the most fascinating career stories that I've ever heard. Um, we'll dive into this in a lot more detail, but I just want to give you guys a bit of a taste of what's to come. So Pano grew up in Tooting, where he left school at 16 and joined McDonald's. He then worked there for five years and climbed up the ranks to be a store manager. And then his journey with prep began at the age of 22, the same age as so many of you listening to this and then he rapidly progressed at Pratt, all the way to the top spot, currently being the third ever CEO of Pratt.
0: I must admit, when we were reading your career trajectory, we had chills and we literally had to read it twice over because it was so fascinating. To start your journey as a Pratt assistant manager and now to be sat chatting to us as the CEO is just incredible. Um, But before we dive into the nitty gritty, we must ask one question. One we probably should have asked before we went and got our pre-orders. <laughs> but what is your pre-order?
2: So if I'm drinking a coffee, it's a black americano. Nice. If I'm having lunch, it's a posh cheddar baguette.
0: Ooh. Oh, not heard of that.
2: Uh, yep, yeah. and probably breakfast. I like a porridge actually. I like the prep yeah. porridge. I think we've got the oh, best really porridge is. out there. Yep,
0: yeah, keeping it simple but
1: good. Right. So, in all seriousness, for our listeners that don't know about your story, to CEO. Please, can you share us more insights on how this journey began?
2: Yeah, so um, as you said, I grew up in Tutin, um and uh, kind of fell into the industry. I wanted a part-time job whilst I was studying. I started working at McDonald's on a Friday night and a Saturday. That was it, part-time uh, at the age of 16. And um, uh, then at the age of 17, they offered me to be, it's called a floor manager. It's like a, a shift supervisor. So I thought, okay, I'll, I'll give that a go. And then quickly went up and became uh, kind of a manager there, kind of uh, 19, 20 years old or so. Um, so it happened really quickly. And then when I finished studying, instead of going off to university, as many people do, I, I, did, they, I decided to join them full time um, and uh, you know as a, as a store manager then as well. So to my parents' displeasure at the time, oh. they wanted me to go off and study. I did go off and study later on uh, in my life. Um, And yeah, I think that I really loved hospitality, the variability, you know, what's not to like about working with food. Um, And then a friend of mine um, that worked at McDonald's joined this sandwich shop I'd never heard of before. So I thought, I'll give it a go. I walked into one, was quite daunted with all the sandwiches out um, (laughs) in front of you. I saw, I thought, well, the food looked really good, really colorful. Um, I thought the people were very jolly and happy on the till. Uh, unlike what I'd experienced, uh, you know, in in McDonald's. And uh, then I started reading these things on the wall, and there was just lovely little stories about how Pret uh, bought its coffee to how it works with its farmers. And there was just really wonderful stories about how they engage with suppliers and their emphasis on great quality food. So I thought, well, this could be a a place uh, that is interesting to join. Um, I actually applied initially and they turned me down probably a year or so beforehand but uh, then got the job and became an assistant manager and I guess the rest is history.
0: Wow and you obviously made the brave decision to leave education at 16 so how did you find that transition to the working world so young?
2: Yeah it was tough, it was tough. I, I think that uh, very, at a very early age, I was given the accountability of managing people much older than me as well. Yep. And I think a lot of the time they were thinking, who's this young kid trying to tell us to do things and boss us around? And it was quite stressful. And I think at a younger age, you know, if I was telling my younger self something today, I'd probably say, you know, be a bit more confident. Um, don't worry about things too much. Because I think that because you come out from kind of school or education into the working world, it's quite daunting. Um, you're always kind of second-guessing yourself. Am I doing things right? Uh, What are they thinking of me? And, you know, you you have an element of anxieties through those early years. So that has only changed as you get older and chore and have more wisdom uh, with you. So I I think that, you know, for for people that are considering or going into the working environment, um, I think I would say believe in yourself. Uh, I think humans are capable of doing amazing things. I think probably one of the biggest things that holds them back is is their self and and confidence. And there's that borderline of being confident, but not arrogant. So ensuring that you are humble with that confidence.
1: We have a saying at Wiser, that if you're good enough, you're (coughs) old enough. And that seems like the exact right phrase for this situation. But one thing that we always encourage our listeners to do is grab any work experience opportunity that they can, whether it's in retail or hospitality. So how did your roles at McDonald's, Prep and even I know that you were passing on minicab cars? I was. to um, were <laughs> around age 14, but how did these moments of work experience shape you into the leader that you are today?
2: Well, I, you know, I had parents that were very supportive and i think at a young age you know my father was like you know if you want to earn some pocket money you want to wash my car actually i you know he was working as a minicab driver at the time so i uh was giving out you know handing out minicab cards to people's letter boxes so really at a young age you realize oh if i worked and i did this i'd get money and i'd be able to afford to do things that i wanted to do buy clothes that i wanted to, to buy and i think from a young age that installed a work ethic i think, I think my parents were working multiple jobs um when i was younger and i often saw them going out working hard to make a living and look after myself and my sister at the time so i think from that very young age i think i had parents that had a phenomenal work ethic and i think that has really inspired me to to to, to take the journey I, I i've done and i think that um you know people often say oh you know when you was an assistant manager or a A store manager did you you know did you have that vision to be the ceo and and the short answer is absolutely not um i was very focused on the work that i did and i was very fortunate that people would come to me and say oh you're doing a great job would you like to do something uh different or or move up the career ladder Um, and i often see people kind of can be overly focused on the next job and uh, i think at times by doing that, you can sometimes detract the focus from what you're currently doing. And I, I think people are judged on the jobs that they do. Uh, so my advice to people is always, you know, if you, you put your head down and work hard, generally people will notice and give you those opportunities.
0: That's something that really <coughs> resonates with the other CEOs you've spoken to. You spoke to Stephen Van Broyen and Ganan, um, who's the CEO of ITSU, and they mm. both said that they became almost technical experts in their area at the time. They never kind of strive to be in the c-suite it was just something that was given as an opportunity to honor the hard work they they were doing at the time mm, so it not. resonates really well um and i'm sure many of our listeners are still so shocked to hear that you started out as a store manager but how did you actually progress within the business and did you ever voice the desire to progress further
2: so i i knew when I uh, joined Pret, I wanted, you know, I definitely thought when I became an assistant manager, I'd love to become a store manager. And um, that kind of happened pretty quickly when I joined Pret within kind of eight, seven or eight months. And then what I realized, and it just kind of happened naturally, I was, I was just passionate about what I was doing. I seemed to perform really well. And um, I could see opportunities coming, coming my way. And you know, I you look at the other managers around and you see how you perform in comparison to them. And I'm, you know, quietly competitive. <laughs> uh so you know, the, the they they used that what well, they still have today rankings almost like league tables of shops. And you know, if you do really well and you're at the top of the league table, you get better bonuses. So there was that motivation there. And um you know, I, I just did very, very well. So After a couple of years, I was running the largest store in the company and there was, you have like an area manager that looks after 10 stores. I had the largest store and I was the youngest guy in the area. Then I became an area manager with a group of area managers and I was running the biggest area in the company and was the youngest guy there. And it just kind of happened naturally and um, every couple of years I would continue to move and people would continue to notice uh, what I was doing and continue to give me opportunities. And the great thing is Prec kept on growing as well. So the, the brand would grow um and gives the opportunity for people to grow within that. You know, ninety percent of our store managers start kind of in the in the entry level position as what we would call a team member.
1: And as you progressed <coughs> further and further through the business, was there any type of reshifting that you needed to do when you knew that you wanted to progress higher up? Well,
2: I I think um, probably up until my sixth or seventh role. It was pretty fluid and it would just continue to to ratchet up and I would continue to grow. And then uh, my boss at the time talked to me about um, the potential idea of sponsoring me to go to university and do a, an executive MBA. And I was initially not overly interested and I thought, you know, I'm, I'm fine. You know, I've kind of done well to this point. I didn't go to study. Um, in, in the end, I decided to take the opportunity and, and I was sponsored by PrEP. And, and actually, that was transformative for me. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I went to go and study, realized the theory I was learning, many people learn the theory, then gain the experience with the practical aspect mm-hmm. after. I did it the other way around, but actually quite enjoyed that because then I realized that the practical experiences that I had gained over the years had, uh, you know, What could connect very well with the um, theoretical experience I was taking whilst I was studying, and then quickly realised that through some of the theoretical aspects I was learning, I would put those into practice live within my working experience. So I I think, and that gave me a load of confidence as well, because I think sometimes if you don't go, you know, I didn't go to university and I was doing well, but always thought, you know, what have I done better or done something differently if I went to to university. And and actually, um, you know, if anything, that I think anybody can, if they put their mind to it, go off to to further education and studies. What it did for me was almost accelerate my confidence levels. I can do this, you know, I can do this. And then uh, from there on in, uh, continued to grow. And, And actually, I'm a big believer of, you know, leaders that have a growth mindset. Never stop learning. I think that's something, you know, often people say to me, you, you continue to learn and you continue to evolve. Uh, and that's something I, I really enjoy. And even though I've been in PrEP for such a long time, I, I make quite a bit of effort to go out of the PrEP organization to to bring other learns in. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think that just helps you with a different perspective.
0: We often advise students to make themselves invaluable in a role in order to push for the best progression and the pay. But in your opinion, what do you actually think it takes to make self-invaluable?
2: So I, I think that having a good understanding of the job that you're doing and observing the environment that you work in, whether there's other colleagues and, and almost assessing how other people are working you'll get quite a good proxy of how well you're doing relative to others. Um, so I, I think keeping abreast of that and, and having good communication and dialogue with your manager and, and don't be afraid to ask the, the difficult questions to your manager. So because I think, you know, for me, I often say no question is a stupid question. You know, I'd much prefer people to tell me that question so we have the opportunity to discuss things. And again, I think when you're younger, you feel much more nervous and anxious to have those questions. So I think asking the questions that you think might be stupid, most more often than not, they're not stupid. They're relevant questions. Understanding the environment that you're working in and see how you are. And I was kind of competitive to pitch myself and understand, but not, not in a way which I think many people would be competitive against their peers, but do it in a way that's probably what I call, you know, unfair gamemanship. You know, I I think that being confident in your own ability to do that in a way that is humble, that is authentic, and uh, that gives you that connection with with the role that you're doing and the manager that you're you're working with.
1: Great advice. And then what has been the most challenging part of the CEO role and what has perhaps surprised you about the role when you took it on?
2: So I have now been CEO for four years, just over four years. I became CEO four months before COVID. So having a wonderful wonderful business that you'd been part of and been growing and growing and growing, and all of a sudden, literally within 24 hours, you had no business. So the stress of having to deal with a huge business that had thousands of staff and not having the, you know, the, the funds available to pay the staff as well at one stage because you had no money coming through. Well, we had the funds available, but it quickly runs; it would quickly run out. And obviously, the government helped with furlough and other things such as that. So that was really challenging. Um, but I think that uh, actually there is definitely a silver lining because I think that how PrEP has changed itself and evolved itself. Um, there are big leaps and steps that we took that we probably wouldn't have done without COVID. So I know we spoke about uh, the Club Prep membership where you get your five coffees a day and you get your food discount attributed to that. That was an idea that we initially launched with our our coffee subscription during COVID because it was, you know, how do we get customers to come in with almost a too too good to be true offer, which Mm -hmm. I think it still is today. So I think that's been, um, that was the initial kind of big challenge and shock. I think the other thing I find you know I enjoy hugely but is challenging is just managing a business that is operating on multiple time zones around the world um managing our teams in different uh, parts of the world uh and ensuring that you've got great people to help you with that you know we i have a we have a board and working with our owners and then we have you know a lot of interest from the press and the media. So having to deal with kind of the, you know, public sentiment, having to deal with different time zones, having to deal with, uh, you know, a a board and then having to deal with, um, you know, your own teams, just juggling that, you know, I have, I have a, I'm very lucky because I have a board and I have owners that have been so supportive to me from the first day. And I think if you have support from your board and from your owners as a CEO, that is a big tick in the box.
1: I think the Pratt subscription is almost an emblem of how Pratt really wants to make change, but also really survive in tough times that a lot of businesses couldn't thrive mm. in. Um, and I'm definitely happy we're sat here with our hot chocolates on the Pratt
0: subscription, <laughs> it's
1: great. Um, if you could travel back in time now, what would be one piece of advice that you'd give to a 22-year-old panel that's starting out in Pratt?
2: I would say that believe in yourself more. Because I think that at that tender age, you have so many insecurities and lack of confidence because you've not really gone out there into that working environment. So um, that would be the one thing I would give myself.
0: And throughout your career, I know you said you've had people that have supported you and obviously Pratt have supported you in your career trajectory. Mm -hmm. Did you have any mentors or people that you looked up to outside of the business that helped steer your progression or motivate you?
2: So I, I would say my parents, probably particularly my mother, you know, was very supportive uh to me in my early years and kind of getting me out there and uh trying to, to do things differently. I think in my latter years, my wife has been a huge support to me. Um I kind of say to myself, sometimes we're co-CEOs because she's always given oh. me advice and uh always has a very strong view on prep. Um, so so I'd say kind of my family's been a big support and inspiration uh, outside of work. And actually, I think the other thing that is, I think, really important, especially when you become a, a senior leader, is having balance in your life. I think when I was younger, I was probably 90%, you know, work, 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 work. And I think as I've, and that's quite exhausting as well, you work so hard, you put so much time in and probably tie yourself out and make mistakes because of that. Whereas actually having more of a balanced life gives you more perspective on how you work and the impact that you have as well.
1: That's really nice that you managed to actually find balance when it comes to this leadership position. I know when we are speaking um, to CEOs, they often mention that's something that they end up struggling with. So what does a typical day in the life look like for you?
2: Well, I, I can't say that I've always nailed it. So <laughs> I, I think it is a continued struggle. So, um, so a, a typical day, well, I'd say I, I go to the gym probably five to six times a week.
0: Nice. But ev-
2: every morning. So I'd be in the gym around six o'clock in the morning for an hour. Um, and I really need to, you know, I, I use the phrase healthy body, healthy mind. And I think that definitely with the intensity of the role I have without being kind of healthy, mm. then it becomes a real struggle. So I would uh generally drink probably two to three espresso's before I get in the gym to just <laughs> jolt me and wake Very myself fun. up. Um and, and then and then yeah, I uh, live relatively close to our office, so I'll either walk in or take my bike in. And I um I'm probably out and about in our shops between once and twice a week. So I don't go and spend you know, five days a week just in our office, sitting down at a desk. I think for me, the role is very much around interacting with people, connecting with people, spending time out in our shops. You know, this week I've spent two days in Switzerland. Last week I was in Paris for three days. Next week I'm in Canada and uh, Toronto and New York, going out, kind of meeting with our, our teams, understanding how they're doing, you know, what can we do more to help them? Um, so uh, there is quite a variable uh, kind of day in their life,
0: and we've done loads of reflecting back on your journey and looking into the future. Now, what does the next kind of ten years for you look like?
2: Oh, ten years is a long time. <laughs> um, I actually I feel like I've just started the CEO roller prep because of the challenges of COVID. So the yeah. first three years, you know, of the four years. Was littered with many things externally that were out of our control, and this year has probably been the first year that we have much more control of our own destiny. So I think I would say over the next you know five years plus I'd love to you know really take the brand across the world to be a real you know global player like a Starbucks or a McDonald's. Uh, and I think the opportunity to take kind of fresh, high-quality food around to the to the masses is something that kind of appeals my to myself and and to my team. So that will keep us very busy for for a, for a long time. Uh, but yeah, I I feel like I've, we're just getting started.
0: Yeah, I can imagine. I feel like everyone in COVID lost those three years, so Making everyone's getting time. yeah getting back into life.
1: And then what advice would you give to students that do want to take on leadership positions in their future careers?
2: I, I think that um, it's great to be a leader, but just not forgetting that the importance of how you communicate and engage with people. Because whatever business that you work in, you have to you know, be a great person, but surround yourself with great people as well. So how you can lead people, you you know, you have to engage with them, you have to inspire them, you know, showing your authentic self and being vulnerable with them as well. So they understand and see that you are, you know, you have more similarities with them than differences with them. It it is so important. So I think leadership is about being inspirational and having people feel that they can follow you and follow your thoughts, your vision.
1: And um, just on that, how important is it to have a passion for the brand um, and the industry when it comes to being a CEO? Because I think often you hear conversations um, about these CEO positions where it seems to be more of a business strategy role. But where does passion come into it?
2: Well, I, I think uh, I don't often find people that are not passionate about the prep product. So <laughs> I feel I'm in a very lucky position from that perspective. I do not think I will ever work for a company that I can't be passionate about. Mm-hmm the product uh, that I am trying to promote. I feel very fortunate that with PrEP that we have a great product. You know, I love the food. I eat PrEP most days, (laughs) even now after so many years. I'm involved uh, with wonderful people that are trying to grow the brand. Whether that's you know having the opportunity to taste all the fantastic food before it even comes and hits our our shops, <laughs> which is a wonderful perk of the job, and 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 give my own thoughts and feedback on on the the, the innovation that's coming our ways, but I think that uh, being CEO and being CEO and being passionate about um, the company uh, that you work for and that you lead is for me so important. I, I often think to myself. If you're not, you probably shouldn't be a CEO of that company.
1: Fab. Well, that's all of the questions that we had for you today. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast and just sharing your incredible story and shedding more light on how it is that you progressed so rapidly through Pratt. Lovely to hear about your passion for the brand as well. Thank you so much for joining us.
2: Great, and thank you very much to to, the both of you too. Thank
1: you. Okay, Rocky. ready for Listener's Dilemma of the Day? Yep, go for it. So one of our listeners has emailed in and said, how do I go about negotiating my salary
0: without coming across as entitled? Now, this is such a tricky one, especially when you're quite early on in your career. You have to be really careful when navigating salary because you don't want to come across as someone who's greedy or in it for the wrong reasons, but you still want to feel valued at the same time. So I think a really good way to do this is... To actually take into consideration the skills and experience that you do have and actually do a bit of research. So research into the salary bands and salary ranges that are kind of at your level within your field and have a really good, well-explained reason. Be able to bullet point and state the actions that have allowed you to earn this particular salary or makes you deserving of this salary. Yeah, I agree. It's such a tricky
1: one because it does feel icky sometimes Mm. talking about salary, but you have to do it as much as you love your job. You are there at the end of the day to come home with a salary. And it is really important to have those clear conversations with your manager. Because I think a lot of the time your manager wants you to do well and wants you to have the best job prospects as possible. So they're going to be backing you the full way. I would say one way to make sure that you're successful in asking for a higher salary is actually to try and make yourself invaluable to the team. So try to be involved in as many things as you can so that when it does come to asking for that higher salary, you go in and say, look, I do this, this and this. I've elevated my job role in this, this and this way. And that way they see more reason to push your salary higher because you're also pushing the responsibilities that you have every single day.
0: Yep. 100%. One other thing I will say is if they're a company that really does invest in you and care about your progression and they have a future long-term plan for you, don't jump ahead of the gun and just ask for like a a crazy high salary that's just going to completely put them off you and your reason for being there. So like Freya said, engage in open, truthful, honest conversation with your managers and see what their kind of prospects and progression looks like for you. So just before you go, if you're looking for grad roles, internships, placements or even spring weeks, we have so many opportunities live with our clients right now.
1: Currently, we have roles open at Hayes McIntyre, Maven Securities, Knight Frank, KPMG, Softcat, Fraser's Group and Fidelity. So head to our link tree in the description to find out more.